Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. We look around and see a broken world, broken communities, broken families, broken lives. Even the church can look broken. So we long for something else, something whole, something beautiful. The truth is we were created for something far different than what we see crashing all around us every day. But what if God wants to help? To reach into your life and make the dark light, make your crooked path straight. What if God wants to awaken something brand new in you? Don't settle for the pain of the past or the plague of the present, but ask God to do something new today. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I love new. I love new. Don't, don't you? Don't you? I, people talk about that new car smell for me. It's always kind of been a little bit more like new to me car smell. Uh, not so much the new car smell. But I, I remember I was in second grade and uh, we had twin sisters that had just been born. So our house was getting kind of crowded. And we were taking... Uh, a big trip to Florida to celebrate my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. And in order to take this trip, we needed some sort of a new vehicle to fit uh, myself, my brother, twin sisters, mom, dad, so all six of us. And I remember, I remember the night before the trip, my dad shows up in the driveway with our new to us van. And it was like one of those old conversion, it wasn't old then, right? But one of those old conversion vans, you know what I'm talking about? It had like the six inch TV in it, which is like as big as some of your phones now. And it had like three and a half channels on the TV, but we thought we were like living in luxury. These like bulky VCR that you could put tapes in and watch. The captain's chairs, I remember. So the second row captain's chairs could turn totally in reverse, which is probably a terrible safety feature, right? But we thought this was incredible. And the back seat could lay down so you could sleep. We thought we were living in style. I don't know about you, but, but somewhere in your life today, you love new. You love new. Maybe it's the new phone. You love the new phone, you know? You've got the, well, you've only got seven cameras on the back of your phone. I've got 12, right? I've got the new phone, right? Or the new outfit. Come on, some of you walked in today and your head's a little bit higher. You're, you're, no, you didn't say anything. You want people to say, but you got the new outfit on. You are looking good because you like new. You like new, the new toy. Come on, you get older and your toys get a little bit different, but, but we, we still like new toys sometimes, don't we? Uh, for some, the solution to stress is new. It's called stress shopping, literally. I gotta go get something new because I'm so stressed out. Or maybe right now you found yourself striving for new, striving for new, the new relationship, the new job, the new vacation. That will be the one that really gives me the peace I need right now. But see, the problem is the new that we long for so often doesn't stay new for long, does it? That 1991, it was 1991, that conversion van that we had, it broke down a lot, <laughs> a lot. Uh, the new school shoes, you know, uh, th- th- every year my new school shoes by Christmas were broken down and tattered. Um, 
Maybe the new job was good for a season, but now your coworkers are annoying you to death and there's a better job down the street that looks a little bit better than the new job you have. The new phone gets slower, it falls and breaks, which probably just means we long for the next new, the new new. That's really what we want because the old new is not so new anymore. Over the past couple years of my life, I have longed for new like never before. I've longed for new. Uh, If there's ever been a time we've needed new, it's now, right? A, A global pandemic, war, unprecedented loss, racial, political unrest, division everywhere. This season has brought pain into our lives. And we know that. We see that. We've experienced that. I don't have to tell you about it. You're living in the world I'm living in. But there can't be any doubt to me that this season has kind of unearthed. It's revealed pain, brokenness in the lives of so many people. And the saddest thing is even within the church, even within the church, we have seen and experienced deep brokenness, deep, dark places in our hearts that if we're willing to look in the mirror, it's, it's, a little, it's a little revealing, isn't it? Have we ever, as a people, desperately needed new more than we do today? This new teaching series that we begin today called All Things New is based on that idea that we desperately need new right now today in our lives. But get this, it's not, it's not that we like new, we, we do, but it's not just that. It's not that we like new, it's that we need it. We desperately need it today right now in our lives. Um, every year this Easter season reminds us that Christ, Christ not only did resurrection, we love that. We get to read the story and understand, oh, Christ, he, he, he resurrected, right, right? But, but one of the greatest claims of Christ was not, I did resurrection, I do, but, but I am resurrection in the life. That's what Jesus said. And so as we enter into this Easter season, we're going to lean into to that and understand that the source of new that we desperately need in our lives right now, every single one of us, can be found in Christ. So we're going to begin today in Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah may not seem like the Easter passage to you, but I think it's a very appropriate place. And so would you join me? We're going to be in Isaiah 43. So if you have the YouVersion Bible app, we have an event set up there and you can follow along. Uh, But Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. He was an Old Testament prophet, perhaps maybe the most important one that we read about in the Old Testament. Uh, His book is Prophecy. So he's speaking about things that have not yet happened. But we get to read them after they've happened. So it's a really interesting perspective. Many of the things that he's prophesying, we get to read now uh, on the other side. Um, And Isaiah has some hard words, some judgment, some warning, but there are also words of hope. And so in many ways, I think Isaiah is a perfect book to point us towards Easter. And today, here's what's happening in Isaiah 43 as you turn there. Uh, This is God's people, the story of God's people throughout their journey. Uh, And so throughout their journey, they've had uh, King David and then King Solomon. And now the nation of Israel has split up. There were 12 tribes, but they've split up. So the 10 tribes uh, to the north and now the two tribes to the south. And because of their sin and their worship of other gods, the northern kingdom was taken into exile, led away as prisoners, and now the southern kingdom was not far behind uh, as Babylon came in and conquered Jerusalem and led the people away into captivity. And so it's not hard to imagine how devastating that would be. We're seeing shades of that right now. As we read Isaiah 43, we, we see shades of this happening in our world right now. People fleeing from their homes. We're living in a world where we're seeing that. People exiled, living in a foreign land that's not their home anymore. Talk about needing something new. The children of God in Isaiah 43 were desperate for new. Desperate for new. 
And in Isaiah 43, verse 18, we read one of the most powerful promises in Scripture. So I want you to read, I want you to read along with me and see just verse 18 and 19 for a minute. Uh, this is the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. This is a powerful promise, right? No matter the circumstance, but, but consider these words written to people in deep despair, in exile, in alone, hopeless. And yet the word of the Lord says, I'm doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. I wonder if you were to apply these words to your life today, what is the new thing that you need in your life right now? What is the new thing that you desperately need God to do for you today? Maybe your heart is broken today and you're grieving. Maybe a relationship in your life right now that is so badly strained. Maybe for others, you need new hope for your future. For others, it would be your faith. Your faith is so weak. It feels so hard for you to have the faith to believe that God can show up in your life right now. You need new faith, new faith. Some of us, we need new life, new life, because the life you're living right now is not really living at all. It's just existing, and you are desperate for new life, new life. For me, can I be honest, I, I need a new outlook. Me, personally, I need a new outlook, a new perspective, because I don't trust God. At least, at least the way that I act suggests that. I would say that I trust God, but if you watch how I live, too often I live as if I don't. Because of the fear that I live with too often. Too much, I spend way too much time in my life worrying, acting as if it's all about me and I've got to figure this out on my own. Carrying the weight and burden of things that I don't have to carry if I truly trusted God. So, so me? I need a new outlook. I need fresh faith. I, I need something deeply rooted in the reality of who God is. And so as I enter into this season, I, I need new. How about you? How about you? Throughout the story of God, we see this promise in Isaiah 43, fulfilled generation after generation. See, I am doing something new. I'm doing a new thing. But what's most powerful about this promise, what's most fascinating about it, it's powerful in and of itself. If you just take that verse off the page and look at it, that's powerful. But what's even more powerful is if you step back and look at these words in context. So let's do that together. Uh, Isaiah 43, we're going to back up just a few verses to verse 16. We're not going to read all of Isaiah 43. It's good stuff. We could. But let's look just, just back a couple more verses because I think the context here actually makes this, this truth, this promise, even more powerful in our lives today. And it's a truth that, that we all need to hear. Uh, so starting in verse 16 now of Isaiah 43, we backtrack a couple verses. This is what it says. Uh, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So look ahead, what is Isaiah doing? He's pointing back, he's pointing back to the most significant event in their history, the children of God, their exodus. 
We can read about it in the book of Exodus, right? We can go back and read in Exodus and Joshua, these things. And and the word of the Lord now, he's speaking to the children of Israel and he's reminding them of one of the greatest moments of their history, the greatest moments of his power, of his provision in their lives. They were slaves in Egypt and through Moses, uh, the Lord led them out through the desert, through the Red Sea. And now he's recalling, he's reminding them, this is what the Lord does. This is what I did, declares the Lord. And then, and then comes the promise that we read. So so again, remember all the things that God has done. Remember those moments in your history, your ancestors, right? Remember the things I did. And now, and now we read verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And it continues. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, in streams, in the wasteland. Wait, 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 Isaiah, forget the former things? I, I, I like that when we're talking about the past of regret and pain and disappointment. I like that promise when we're talking about all the terrible things in my past, but, but, but you're... Lord, you're pointing back to the good things too. This is not just a reminder of the hard things to forget. Now, you're reminding me of the most important moment in our history. And you're saying forget the former things? That, that, that doesn't really make sense, does it? It's as, if, it's as if the prophet is saying, remember God's faithfulness, but trust that he has something new for you. Remember, God was faithful. Remember what he did. But you can't live there. You can't can't hang out way back there. You can't camp out way back in the past and not remember that he's doing a new thing today. Today. Think about that for a minute. Remember, God is faithful. That's what what the Lord is saying. He, He sustained you. He has carried you. And at the same time, he believed that he has something new for you, right? Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. For some of us, the greatest barrier that we face, the greatest barrier that we face to believing the new that God wants to do in us is the pain and brokenness of our past. I believe that. Some of us, that the promise that God wants to do something new, and you're like, well, well, man, this year, this season, the 10 years, my whole life has just been filled with disappointment after disappointment, and I That promise might be true for somebody else, but not for me. And so some of us, the greatest barrier is the pain of the past. But some of us, some of us, the greatest barrier to the new God wants to do in us is what he's done before, the good things he's done. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Listen, listen, some of us, some of us are looking for yesterday's blessing today. And the promise of Isaiah 43 is this. We can't be looking for yesterday's blessing and we can't be held captive by yesterday's failure. This is a powerful truth. It may challenge you. It challenges me. It challenges me. But I want to I tell you something in just a minute. And I believe, I believe this has been like beating me up all week. I've been thinking about it. It's challenging me so much. There's a few times I'm like, I don't really want to believe that's true. But what I'm about to share with you in just a moment is 100% true if you are in Christ. What does that mean to be in Christ? To be in Christ means that you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, that the God of the world sent his son, right? That we were sinners, we were dead in sin. He sent his son, 
to be sin for us so that we could be forgiven. So that today, today, you, you could turn from sin. You could confess your sin and say, God, I trust in you. I trust in Jesus to be my savior. I'm not going to trust in myself, my selfishness anymore. I trust in you. And if that's true for you today, you are in Christ. You find your relationship in Christ, your purpose, your meaning in Christ. And if that's true for you, then what I'm about to say is 100% true. We have it on the screen. If you are in Christ, whatever is next is better. I want to pause for a minute because I have to pause when I said this, when I wrote this down. If you are in Christ today, whatever is next is better. I don't know about you. I pushed back on that a little bit when I heard that. I thought, was that really true? Because I... I've had some bad things in my past. I've had some good things. I'm grateful for God's faithfulness in the past. I could stand up here. If you've got time, I could tell you stories of how I personally have experienced God's faithfulness. He has been faithful. And when I read this, I, I'm, I'm a little bit like, ooh, is that true? Because there's been some good in the past. Maybe your story's the opposite. Maybe your past has been so bad, you don't believe anything good is coming for you. How could anything be with all that's happened to you? But today, if you are trusting in Christ, if you are in right relationship with him, then the truth today is for you that whatever is next is better. That's the message of Isaiah 43 right there. For some, that's not hard to believe, but for others it is. But, but listen, consider the people here, they're in exile. They want to believe that what's next is better, but the Lord points back to even the good things in their past. Hey, remember that I've been faithful. Don't just remember the hard things now, but remember my faithfulness and still even then believe that I have something new. If your past is riddled with pain and difficulty, but even if your past is littered with opportunities of saying God has been faithful for all people, no matter your circumstance, lean in and trust that whatever is next is better. Listen, Isaiah didn't say, I will do a new thing. The promise of Isaiah 43 says, I am doing a new thing right now, in this moment. Now it springs up. This prophecy that we read about would literally be fulfilled. The cool thing that we get to do, we get to read these prophecies and then we, you know, we, thousands of years later, we get to understand that literally this prophecy was fulfilled uh, in the year uh, five. 89 BC, the Persians overthrew the Babylonians and they allowed the Jews to return home to Jerusalem. So, so we get to see that, but the beauty of this prophecy in Isaiah 43 is that it points to more than that, right? We, we know that because we live on the other side of Easter. So we know that the promise of Isaiah 43 is not just a literal promise. Hey, God's gonna do a new thing. You won't be in captivity forever. He's gonna rescue you. But, but we know <laughs> We know just that God made a way for the children of Israel. Then there would be a day generations and generations and generations later when God would make a way for all people, all people to be rescued from spiritual exile. Maybe, maybe not all people were in literal exile, but, but all of us, all of us were in spiritual exile and we were hopeless. And we were in despair. And just as Isaiah 43 points to this moment in time that would happen where the children of Israel would experience their physical redemption, right? Their physical rescue. Isaiah 43 points to Easter. The reality that there would be a day 
when Jesus Christ would lay down his life for all people and make a new way through his life, death, and resurrection. Isaiah 43 is all about Easter, even generations and generations before the empty tomb ever became a reality. In just a moment, uh, I'm going to call the team up. Not, not yet. In just a moment, though, we're going to celebrate communion. That's not shocking to you because you see it set up across the front of our auditorium today. I can't think of a better way to lead into this holy season. Uh, we, we really, this year, more than ever, we've been leaning into this season of Lent, and we've been calling our church to prayer and fasting. And the reason is because I'm just, I sense in me how, how my life can just be one thing to the next to the next and just get through and get through. And I just didn't want Easter to be that for us this year. I don't want Easter for you to just be a speed bump on the way to the next thing, whatever it is. Maybe for you it represents, hey, school's almost out and summer's going to be here and, and warm weather. And, but for, I just desperately long for us as a church to lean into the journey towards the cross, the journey towards resurrection. And I can't think of a better way to begin that journey of these next couple weeks than, than coming to the table and receiving communion in just a few moments. We believe uh, communion, it's a sacrament for us. It's a means of grace. We don't deserve it. And every time we get to the, come to the table, we're reminded of that. We, we don't deserve. We, we deserve exile. We deserve hopelessness. We deserve because of our sin. We deserve all of that. But instead, God said, I'm doing something new. I'm offering you new life. I'm offering you new hope. And when we come to the table, we're, we're, we're receiving a, a means of grace. We're reminded the bread, right? It symbolizes his body that was broken for us. His blood that was shed for us, that literally he laid down his life for us. Why did he do that? So that we could be made new. So that there's nothing happening in your life today that's too hard. There's no sin in your past that's too great. You can be made new today because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we come to the table, we're reminded of that. We don't come out of just some ritual or habit. We come in reverence, receiving grace that we don't deserve. I can't think of a better way for us to journey into this season than by taking communion. In just a moment, you're going to be invited to respond, and we've got plenty of time to do that. Some of us will come to the table and, and take the elements back to our seats, and we might sit and pray. Some of us may want to kneel at an altar. Some of us may, may want to gather together with family and friends and in a quiet moment of reflection and prayer, receive those elements together. But all are invited to the table today if you want to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. All are invited. But before we do that, I, I want to be really transparent with you this morning and the band's going to come they're going to help get into place because in just a minute they're going to help us as we celebrate as we remember as we partake of communion but I want to be as transparent with you as I can this morning for the past two years of my life I have felt completely broken I don't mean just broken like hurting and pain I mean broken like what is wrong with me I am broken. Like some, well, I look in the mirror like, what is wrong with me? Not just heartbroken, like literally, I am broken. I, I'm thrown off. I, I just can't shake it. I, uh, it's like facing all of this unprecedented disruption, just like you have in our world. And it, it's like something in me broke. And I couldn't get over it. It's extremely unsettling. Day after day, week after week. 
And I don't know that I could pinpoint one thing. I don't know that I could turn and just say, oh, it's this. It's just all of these things in life, in my life and in the world around me, colliding together. And I just felt totally and completely broken. But the more I pray and the more I listen to the Lord and the more I, I trust him, the more I realize that when we're in Christ, there's this, this holy longing within us. This holy disruption, I'm going to say that, within us. I don't believe the Lord desires that we're disrupted. But I, I think when we're in Christ, when we're seeking him, when we're trusting in him, there is a little bit of that disruption that we feel because the more we live in a world that is broken, and have we ever needed more evidence? Have we ever seen more evidence than we have in recent months and years that our world is broken? We are living in a broken world. And man, at times I feel suffocating. What am I going to do? But yet, when we're in Christ, we look around and in the midst of the brokenness, there's this, this calm assurance that we have that wait, this world is not all there is. This is really not all there is. My, my news feed, my social media feed, that really is not all there is. And in some ways, I feel like I had to feel that brokenness over and over again so that I could trust and remember, Lord, you have so much more for me. You have so much more for us than what we can see happening. Even though everything we see happening around us feels like a lot, it feels like too much. But Lord, this is not all there is. This is not all there is. At the end of your Bible, there's a book called Revelation. Uh, this guy named John, he was a disciple of Jesus. And at the end of his life, he's in exile. And, and at the, the waning years of his life, and, and he's given his life for the sake of the gospel. He's witnessed firsthand the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He was there at the table when they received the body and blood. The, the cup was passed. He was there. He saw it all. And at the end of his life, God reveals to him the revelation, right, of what is to come, of what is to come. And there's this powerful image at the end because we're living somewhere in here, right? We're living where we've witnessed the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, but we're living where we haven't quite seen the end. We get to read Revelation. We get to believe the truth that this is how it's going to end, but we're not there yet. And in Revelation 21, there's this powerful image, this powerful image that John gives us of how it will end because it is going to end. Everything around us, it's fleeting. That may sound really negative. That may sound like Debbie Downer today, but the truth is this world, everything around us is fleeting. Everything that we grab hold of, it is fleeting. There will be a day when Jesus returns and everything that we have and we hold on to in this life will fade away. But listen to what John says in Revelation 21. Listen to the picture he paints for the church. He says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, 
God's dwelling place is now among us, among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them, will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. Everything new. See, the promise, the one great hope that every Christian, every believer in Christ has is that one final new that's on the horizon. We get to experience some of it today, right? We get to experience new life in Christ today, but we don't get to experience the fullness of that. But we're promised it's coming. We're promised there is a day when all will be made new. There will be no more brokenness. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears and sorrow. All will be made new. And today, as you come to the table, I want you to receive that promise. For you today, maybe it's deeply personal. I want you to receive that promise. In Christ, we have new life today and the promise of all things new. All things new. And I gotta tell you, I depend on that promise. I trust in that promise. I have to in a world that's so broken. No more tears, no more brokenness, no more pain. He will make all things new forever. Do you believe that today? Let's pray, let's pray. Would you stand to your feet as we prepare to come to the table? Lord, uh, we thank you for this moment. We don't take this moment for granted. If we haven't learned anything over the last couple of years of our lives, Lord, oh, help us. The moments that we have are fragile. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so we have this moment to hold in our hand. And today, we respond to your voice. Some of us in just a moment, we're gonna sing, we're gonna pray. Some of us will come to the table to receive the elements and, and we're reminded of your body that was broken for us, your blood that was poured out for us so that we could have new life, new life today and new life forever. We long, we long for you, Lord, to make all things new. So come and heal, come and restore, give fresh faith, give new vision, give new purpose, call us, commission us, into the new that you have for us right now, because if we're in Christ, what's next is always better. We believe that today in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.